Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, a podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to horror, horror movies, and the horror lifestyle. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter.com. I'm here with my co-host Jesse Hassinger at Rock Marooned on Twitter.com. There is not a major horror release out this week, so today's episode will be mostly news focused, and that's not just us vamping for time. There were so many horror developments. Jesse, how many times did I text you this week with an insane horror news development? Many, many times. <laughs> many times. And we will deliver on that promise with many bits of horror news. And then, for those of you who want to join the Patreon, we do have an Oscar predictions episode in which Jesse and I, I think we do, we predict what will be the nominees. We predict what... We you know we predict what will actually be the nominees, and then we also say what we would have picked ourselves yes. if we were in the academy and had the sway. We would have thrown these names in. So we do that, and we also have a bonus on. Uh, it's to be recorded. I'm not sure. I think we're going to talk about Mean Girls the musical because that's what people want to hear from Jesse and I. Um, they want to hear us talking about. Mean the Girls, f- the female experience. Yes, <laughs> the horror lifestyle, the female experience. Uh, we're experts in both, obviously, as the fathers of daughters uh, <laughs> on this podcast. But I meant – I should have actually – we can start the pot over, and I'm going to s- do the intros in the style of Mean Girls the Musical. Are you ready? Okay. My name is Brett Arnold, <laughs> and I host The New Flesh, <laughs> and my co-host is Jesse. Passenger. He's an apex predator. <laughs> That's the only other song I remember. Um, not to get ahead of ourselves on the Patreon, but I managed to enjoy that movie and found it charming and almost fresh enough of a modern update to borderline recommend while still wanting to never watch it again and, and just <laughs> reminding me how much I really enjoy uh, the original. The original. Yeah. But the music, it just made me laugh so often with how, I guess the lesson I walked away f- from it learning was, yeah, pop musicals are bad, generally. <laughs> like, the music is embarrassing. Uh, there's one song where, if you know Mean Girls, you know that she's very good at math, uh, and she pretends to be dumb so she can, like, get a guy to pay attention to her. So, of course, there's a song that goes, I'm good at math, but I'm stupid at love. It's just like so on the nose and I don't know. The fact that I remember them that I thought they weren't memorable, does that say something? I don't know. Yeah, I think it does a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. It's um it's also I feel like the style of singing that a lot of the actresses use is a little modern pop, which is a little mumbly, a little through the nose. Okay. And 
And some of the lyrics are funny or meant to be funny. You know, they're like, like have like clever lines because they're like written, you know, with an eye towards comedy. Some of them. Isn't it the guy uh, who does all the 30 Rock and um, uh, yeah, uh, Kimmy T- Schmidt stuff? With- Tina Fey's husband who does all the music yes. for her shows. Yes. Uh, I don't know if he did the lyrics, but like clearly some of them are supposed to be kind of funny. And sometimes the, the funny lines are swallowed a little bit by the delivery. And they're not bad singers, but it's like not, it's that pop, that pop style of delivery that's not always really compatible with the enunciation. You need to really land a joke in a musical. I was shocked um, how understated the first number is with like Angori Rice just kind of singing in the field. I'm like, this isn't, yeah, this yeah. isn't showy. And then it gets yeah. very showy, very fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be able to to really focus in when I go see it a second time because my daughter wants to see it and my wife wants to see it and I thought, oh, you know what? With Stubbs, I'll go see it a second time. I'm assuming they want to see it because you've been going on the, around the house going, "My name is Regina <laughs> George." <laughs> they did, <laughs> that is the that is I was like. Even though that's in the trailer a little bit, I was still kind of shocked that that's like part of the song. Yeah, um, <laughs> it just were, feels like this catchy tune. Yeah, it, it does. It feels like a fake, right? It doesn't it does. feel like a real. It does yeah. feel fake, but like then, I want to give Tina Fey credit, right? Because I'm like, she's a comedian, and she has the sole screenwriter credit on this movie, and like it makes me and 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 the musical, I presume, uh, the actual Broadway thing. I know that like I'm sure she adapted it or whatever. So, like, I want to be, like, she's kind of parodying what a musical would be, maybe. But it just comes, as you said, because they're singing it so earnestly or whatever, it doesn't come off that way. And it just feels like they're really putting it all into this music that isn't very good, is what I walked away from. But, hey, it's been a week or whatever, and I still am – and the the stupid bad songs are stuck in my head. (laughs) You're going to buy the soundtrack next. Next you'll be going to the soundtrack and listening to it all, all the time. Well, yeah, the yes, Spotify makes it so I don't need to buy anything, but it will. My end of the year (laughs) wrapped will be like, you loved Renee Rapp. Apex Predator. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Apex Predator and the Regina George reprise in which she says, I still am Regina George or whatever. Uh, So if you want to hear more about that, Patreon feed is for you. But uh, the main feed, of course, horror news. And there's God, there's just so much. And uh, before we get into it, I guess I should mention, yeah, there are a couple horror releases this week. And if you want to hear me review them, I have another podcast called Roger Ebert and Me. It is a movie review show in which my buddy Mark Dusick and I pretend to be Siskel and Ebert and review every movie every Friday. So, of course, we covered TIM, T-I-M, which stands for Technologically Integrated Manservant. And it's a fake Megan movie. Uh, kind of actually more like her. It's it's a it's more about an AI. What if an AI really like attached to the to the to a person and wanted to like replace their husband? Is kind of the energy, uh-huh. and it's it played very silly, and it's it's just dumb and not very good. But Georgina Campbell from Barbarian is in it, and I like her a lot, so that was nice. Um, and then there's a movie on Shutter called Destroy All Neighbors, which despite having a cool score from uh. Uh, Brett Morris of Earwolf Podcasting and musician in his own right, and Honus Honus from Man Man, a band I love. Uh, he drops the, the the stage name and is is billed as Ryan Katner, his real name. Uh, he does the score and he's in the movie, but the movie is not good. And it has the whole joke is, what if Alex Winter was in makeup that he made him unrecognizable, and he had, and he did a bad European accent that appears to, to be like the height of comedy. <laughs> Like, I don't understand why they thought that was enough to, to ride, you know, for a movie. But it didn't 
scratch the itch. I didn't feel like recommending it or even talking about it any further. So if you want my review, check out Roger and Me. I didn't want to make Jesse sit through either of those movies. So I didn't. Thank you. No problem. Uh, And there's a horror-tinged season, apparently, of True Detective starting tonight on HBO or on Max or whatever. I don't know if it's on Linear. I don't know if that's a Max debut or if it's an HBO thing. I'm assuming it's on HBO as well. I think it's on HBO, yeah. It seems like it should be. It's prestige. It's got Jodie Foster in it. Are you... I'm shocked. I don't want to be too mean, but everyone seems to like it a lot, and I hope it's good. And everyone seems high. I'm just shocked that Issa Lopez is like writer, director, showrunner on it, because to me, her only credit is Tigers Are Not Afraid, which was a very disappointing Shudder movie. Do you did you see that? I did not actually see Tigers Are Not Afraid. I wanted to, and it sounded kind of cool, and I just never got around to it. And I feel like it was one of those things where I heard it was really good kind of far out uh, uh you know ahead of its debut and as it, one of those things where as it got closer to release it became more like yeah well i mean it's kind of interesting <laughs> you know so i never uh i just i don't know i never got i never got to it um but she has tons of credits that I, of stuff i've never heard of it's, yeah she has a whole that she... career that appears to have happened before tigers not afraid which is what i feel like the genre fans know her for um, uh-huh. And I found that movie underwhelming. It's not really horror. It's more like a fable type thing. But good for her. Apparently, True Detective, Night Country, is cool. Everyone who has shit on that show for the past, I guess, two seasons of it, because I think people liked the first one, hated the second, and did not like the third. Uh, people are all back in. They say it's the best one since the first one. And I'm sold. I will be watching it. True Detective, Night Country, out. Uh, if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out. It dropped last night. Let's get into the news of the week. The biggest news of the week, uh, one of the ones where I texted Jesse, like, are you sitting down type of situation. Uh, David Gordon Green is departing the 2025 planned Exorcist sequel, The Exorcist Deceiver, the sequel to The Exorcist Believer. And uh, the movie has been taken off the release calendar for now. And they're allegedly searching for a new director. Uh, reading between the lines, Jesse, do you think that's true? Or do you think this thing <laughs> is dead? I think they will make an exor- another Exorcist movie. But I doubt it will be positioned really as a sequel to Believer. I think it'll probably be some kind of Exorcist thing. That'll they'll probably rethink it. You That's think, my guess. I have a crazy thing that the, I, I have a theory. I think they're going to get Paul Schrader to do one, and then they're going to get <laughs> Rennie Harlan to do another one. <laughs> the two favorite, most favored Exorcist directors. Yeah, they're bringing them back. <laughs> they're going to try it again, see if it works this yeah. time. Um, <laughs> well, I think the the interesting thing about this, right, is that NBC Universal shelled out four hundred million dollars for these movies right and i think that is supposed to be inclusive of everything like the rights and the production budgets and stuff like that but they so essentially they paid 400 million dollars right now and all they have to show for it is one movie that made let's see 136 million globally including just 65 uh million domestic so not a great ROI, return on investment there for Universal. <laughs> so I think you're right. Like, they have to make more. Like, there's their backs are against the wall because they made this lofty deal that was supposed to, if you remember, this was initially announced 
as a day and date Peacock thing. It was a big like deal. We we're getting Exorcist. It will be on Peacock the same day. It's in theaters. It's a big play for Peacock. All this bullshit. And then, what at what point did the Peacock debut stop? I mean, I guess they still did uh, one with with Freddy's, which was a yeah, which was I bizarre. Think they, yeah. they changed their mind about that. I don't know. Like I want to say like relatively early, six six months out. They never like really announced the change with Exorcist. They just quietly stop saying it was going to be on peacock yeah well they started saying exclusively in movie theaters right? yes so it was like uh yes yeah um i was surprised to learn because i was thinking i mean with, with inflation this probably is true but i had thought oh yeah well the funny thing about exorcist believer is that all this ballyhooed you know rights purchasing and hiring of a name director or semi-name director or successful director certainly um that they got basically regular exorcist sequel numbers out of it yeah and i guess technically speaking it uh is the highest grossing exorcist sequel <laughs> but if you do with inflation it, pro- it probably is pretty much they all make around this amount like this is you know there's like an audience that will come out to see another exorcist movie it is not as big as the audience that came out to see the first one which made it uh one of the biggest movies ever made yes and they i think they're just going to try again to try to figure out how to unsuccessfully i assume like can you imagine like a uh, another Exorcist movie coming out and, you know, say it comes out in 2025 or 2026, even if it has nothing to do with the green one, even if it's really, really, really good, what's it going to do? Like, 60, another 60 million? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, maybe. You, you, you got. I feel like you got to plan for the inevitability that your Exorcist movie, like, how many horror movies in general make over 100 million? Not that many. Uh, so it's like, it's kind of, it is, you know, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but it's so foolish to peg that much money on the exorcist being a massive franchise it just isn't it has actually been relatively consistently successful in that like exorcist 3 which at the time got very bad reviews and was many years later without being a legacy really being a legacy sequel it did okay for 1990 it's just like you're just not going to get a certain amount more than and that movie has nothing to do with the original like right right it's just it's it's gonna be about the same amount of middling amount of money but i i assume they'll just try they're gonna shoot you know gonna exactly like you said they they've sunk a lot of money into this so they're gonna what are they gonna do not make an extra movie it doesn't it's kind of you know you at one hand you say oh is this good throwing good money after bad uh sunk cost fallacy etc etc on the other hand it's paid for they have the rights like unless they think this thing is gonna like actively lose money that they've already you know they've already spent that that money on the rights yeah it seems and if and if it truly is inclusive of production costs the money is all spent they have to make these fucking movies unless unless you can uh, uh, yeah i guess that's i was gonna say unless you can use the money for something else but i'm assuming that's not how it works (laughs) you you spent the money for this purpose or whatever right Uh, right. yeah i wasn't clear how much was the rights and how much of it was considered part of whatever built-in budget or whatever yeah but like you can you know exorcist movies don't cost that much like on on a regular horror movie basis this was a 30 million dollar movie that made 140 worldwide like that's if if not for that asterisk of oh you paid so much money for the rights this would this would be something that would probably inspire some kind of sequel it wouldn't probably inspire a sequel that would be a direct sequel or anything like that but if this was like a new thing that had never been made before called exorcist believer there probably would be exorcist believer 2 coming out like in a couple years just on the basis of a 30 million dollar movie made 140 worldwide but there's so many expectations attached to the Exorcist, and this was, you know, got was so hated by so many people that they really have to no choice but to start over or just not do it. But I think they probably will. 
Like they will, you know, wind up just making something that doesn't have much to do with. I don't think I don't think they're getting Ellen Burstyn back for another round. I think. Well, I have I have another idea. If they don't go the Schrader Harlan route, they could all. Well, what was the, what was the selling point for Believer? It was uh, what if there were two girls? Yes, I, yes. Uh huh. I got. Go I, on. I have an idea. Three. Ooh, yeah. That's I I that that's better than my idea, which was the zero. It's, just, <laughs> it's a nice movie where everyone's yeah, uh, yeah, risk where free of possession. No one is possessed. I know people huh. complained. I thought kind of nonsensically that there was no exorcist or no major exorcist character in the Exorcist Believer. Uh, all kind of plain dumb, I think, about the fact that the Exorcist in the title is not because this is about an exorcist. It's because it's a sequel it's a franchise, to a yeah. famous movie called The Exorcist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the movie doesn't require an exorcist character to be like, to, you know. But on the other hand, perhaps they should push that further. There was no major exorcist character in the in the, the recent one. They should do no major demon possession in the second one. And then by the third one, it really can just be sort of a slice of life <laughs> romantic comedy or something. Who knows? I'm into that. Uh, Jason Blum was on a podcast earlier this year in March, I think, and he, he said this about Exorcist. The riskiest movie I have ever made, for sure, is not out yet. It's The Exorcist, just because it's so expensive. Usually the bar to success on everything we do, because it's inexpensive, is incredibly low. For The Exorcist, it's high. It's not high risk for Blumhouse. We've obviously already been paid, but it's high risk for our partners. So when you ask me what the riskiest thing we ever worked on is, I take that as for us... Uh, or our financial partners. In the case of Exorcist, that would be the biggest one because it's high risk for Universal. So he was right, I guess, and <laughs> and it didn't pan out. Like, what would have been a number that made them happy? Like, I I mean, clearly this didn't yeah. hit the bar, but I don't know. No, no. What they well, expected. I guess if they were expecting uh, it to do four hundred easy, like we'll yeah, get our money back they... opening weekend. We're done. Well, they yeah. <laughs> I imagine they must have thought that it could do Halloween, closer to Halloween-style numbers, where, I don't even know how, I know the first one did, like, 180 domestic, uh, the first of that, the Green Halloween trilogy, um, and probably, you know, even more worldwide, probably, so probably when she, once you get into that territory, then it becomes a profitable enterprise, but then even that one, by the third time, people were sort of over it, you know, so, like, yeah. it, it does seem like... How often does it, yeah, exactly. How often do you bring back a horror franchise and it's just this, like, massive multi-movie money-making machine? Uh, even, you know, even something like Saw that was a big success actually made less than Exorcist Believer. So I feel it's true that, like, that, as Blum says, like, a lot of times the success of these horror movies, it's not that they don't do well, but they don't really, they're not really playing in that mega-budget, you know, yeah, I think field. <laughs> the bottom line is foolish endeavor to spend that much money on... You're essentially buying, you're paying a premium for the Exorcist brand yeah. for $400 million, hoping that it's enough to make your money back in three movies, which, I mean, technically, if each one performed this well, they'd be okay. They'd be, yeah. like, clear of their investment, but it's not. that's not what's going to happen, right? Because this no, no, opened, so. like, no one liked this, or, I mean, I don't, I don't remember the cinema score, but I'm sure it was, like, a not good. I'll have to take yeah. a look real quick. But, uh... It just was a movie that was not beloved. So if they did do Deceiver as planned, you had to imagine it gets halved uh, at the box office because people are yeah. not, you know, the people who didn't like the last one aren't going to show up. And then what? Then you're kind of at, then you're not going to do a third one. And congratulations, you lost a bunch of money on yeah. your four hundred dollar bet, four hundred million dollar bet on The Exorcist 
when you get Ellen Burstyn back at age 85 or whatever, that that's going to put asses in seats. Like, it's just such a, it was a boneheaded move. And I like that yeah. Jason Blum was like, oh, we're good as Blumhouse. It's risky for our partners. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. fucked. I think he knew. He was, he was, he knew. He knew the whole yeah. time that it was like a foolish amount of money to spend. Uh, so David Gordon Green is departing as he focuses on the production of Nutcrackers starring Ben Stiller as well as season four of The Righteous Gemstones, a show that people love and I just simply cannot get into. Uh, I think if it was a half an hour, I would be much more invested in watching it. Anyway, do you know what Nutcrackers is? I, ah, uh, shoot, I did know and then I forgot, but it's some kind of, I think it's a kind of a family-oriented, uh, like, yes. comedy, something like that. Like, uh, that's not like a sheep by the dozen, exactly, but like, a, I feel like it's like about a guy who has to care for some kids unexpectedly, one of those type of dramas. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Ben Stiller is a guy who has, go ahead, yeah, sorry. He, he, he has to travel to uh, Ohio to look after his recently orphaned nephews. That actually sounds kind of in the in the wheelhouse of of Gordon Green. You know, it's like rural Ohio. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be like playing in some fields with some old rusted industrial equipment. And <laughs> we're gonna meet a local bartender that was really who really lives there. Um, yeah, yeah. There'll be, there'll be like some dance, some like impromptu sort of semi drunken dancing in it. You know, it's a return to indie filmmaking for him. He's shooting it on 35. Millimeter. Ah, nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. It's I think it's better when he mixes things up than when he when he really, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as much as I liked I liked his Halloween movies so much, and even kind of like the Exorcist movie. I wasn't looking forward to like him doing six in a row in the in the vintage horror genre. <laughs> apparently, Ben Stiller's been on a six year acting hiatus, and this is his first role in a long time. Who what knew? was what was the, yeah? I know, right? <laughs> what was the last one? It, it, it was always oh, uh, the Mike White one, right? Uh, Brad oh, Brad Status. Status. I saw that. I love Mike. That's White. kind of a good movie. Actually, it is a good I thought movie. it was. I thought it was a nice movie. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Nutcrackers, David Gordon Green looks that. I mean, the title makes it sound like it's going to be a Christmas release, and yeah, it'll be get a, the holdovers treatment, perhaps. <laughs> um, what else is going on in that news bit? Uh, Universal will instead use the date where the movie was set, which was April eighteenth, twenty twenty five. Universal will now put out the Michael Jackson biopic, Michael, directed by Anton uh, Antoine Fuqua. Um, that sounds cursed. What do you think that's going to be like? Um, horrible. <laughs> do you think it's going to get into anything? Uh, uh, no, because it's like because it's family it approved. Yeah, yeah. It will. There's no fucking way they'll get into anything or or anything beyond like there were some troubling allegations and poor Michael was you know oh you <laughs> know what fully exonerated. I can maybe speak on this. I went and saw the musical that's on Broadway. Oh, yeah, that is you know I went and saw it because I kept reading about this the, the kid who plays Michael Jackson in the Broadway musical in New York was a kid who had like a YouTube video go viral because he did a performance at his high school talent show and they plucked him to do this. And he is unbelievable. Like he can do the dances. He sounds like him. It's an incredible, like, you know, cover performance or whatever. And I went and saw the musical and, you know, I didn't tell anybody, <laughs> I guess I'm telling it. I'm telling everyone now <laughs> on the podcast, but it was very much like a, quietly under the table telling my buddy like hey i'm gonna go see the michael jackson musical uh don't 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 post about it on social but i want to see this thing i hear it's actually really good and like it was good if you care about michael if you like his music it's a great jukebox musical with his music but man anytime it 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 like gestures towards controversy it really is just like the media is really out to get you michael and like and it's yeah. it's really intense like how they really just go 
the media it's the media's fault brush it away and don't talk you know about that it media yeah, yeah. <laughs> just inventing allegations and stuff yeah it's, yeah yeah it's wild so i don't know well, what that movie's gonna be like well i know what you know what it's gonna be like because the whole unless they really buck the trend of the last few years music biopics for the i feel like was it straight out of compton that really kickstarted this i think it was where the first half of that movie is like really cool and and really exciting and like really vital great performances and it's like really ex- you know I don't know I, just, I didn't know that much about NWA so like watching the movie is like wow this is really like visceral and like you're getting to kind of understand their circumstances and like the music's great and the second half is just sort of like clearly divided up by like all right look uh all their surviving members demanded this, these things. Easy E's estate demanded these things. So here is the agreed upon what happened in the second half of this movie. It all <laughs> becomes sort of brand management. You know, it's like a, it's like a very, um, you know, worked out by lawyers second half of a screenplay. <laughs> and that's how all of them. I mean, that's what Bohemian Rhapsody is sort of like. Yeah. The surviving members of Queen all agree this happened this way, right? And the the Rocket Man one, the Elton John one, which has some great musical numbers, is nonetheless an Elton John approved narrative about who the bad guys are and who was doing what. And all of them are kind of like this. I assume yeah. the Amy Winehouse one is going to be like the Whitney Houston one. I think is produced by her um, partner, record producer guy, because he comes yeah. off like a saint. He's played by Stanley yeah. Tucci. <laughs> Yes. And is like the hero of the movie. What a nice man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is he, oh, he's, he played Clive Davis in that? Yeah. And he's like yeah. this, sa- yeah, the big fucking record label executive. What a saint. What a fucking saint. Yeah. The old, and, and it seemed like, a, I feel like the movie was playing on the joke of like those characters being in the the, the same way in every movie. And it was yeah, like subverting yeah. that on purpose. But I mean, I think it also was produced by him and, <laughs> or like he's definitely right, involved right. and it's like, okay, so your take on it is, yeah, I was the only good one of those, yeah. those guys. <laughs> well, yeah, they're all made with such a heavy hand of involvement uh that i can't and i feel like the michael jackson one might be like the apotheosis of that like oh where man it's this gonna is be an, like there's an interesting conversation to be had in, in the conversation with may december and how like uh-huh. people are freaking out about how this is like an unapproved biopic almost because it's like really it's about real people but it's you know different a little yeah and those yeah. people weren't consulted and they feel wrong about it but it's like no art should be done the way todd haynes did it not the way these biopics are being done well, yeah, and I understood. I certainly understand the real guy feeling his feelings. Oh, sure, feeling a you can feel way that way. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's your life, of course. Like it's going to be weird and uncomfortable for you. But yeah, I don't think the movie would be improved by going to this guy and saying, "Here's what we're doing." Like, it's just that's clearly not what they're after. If um, you want to do that, make a music biopic guy. Yeah, yeah, and you could talk to the people, <laughs> get their side of the story, start yeah, a band. Just, all right, it's they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just feel so those things feel so litigated now uh they're just like you know yeah like a like a like a like a judge rendered a verdict and that's what we're seeing absolutely i feel like you can i think and i feel like watching straight out of compton i'm not that there haven't been sanitized music biopics before that watching straight out of compton is one where i feel like you can watch it happen on screen you can like watch the movie transform from a really interesting <laughs> exciting bio- biography of this really important group to about halfway you can see oh okay here's where the lawyers step in and say okay we're gonna handle the rest of this and and make sure no one gets too mad about anything now let's get y'all to um, sing for the soundtrack Get over yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, that's what I expect out of the Michael Jackson one. I don't think anyone's gonna make. I think I think it would take a Todd Haynes style movie 
where it can't actually be Michael Jackson. You know, it's not named or yeah. something. It would have to be that kind of thing. Michael Jorp to, to Jorp. make anything. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't mean that as completely as a knock on Jackson either. He was obviously a musical genius in addition to like a really messed up guy. Yes. It's just, you're not going to get, the family's not going to allow. He's such a secular saint that, you know, as and anyone. And have you ever, if you've ever tweeted about Michael Jackson, you'll know. Yeah. There's an <laughs> army of people ready to litigate the allegations with you and tell you how you're wrong to think right. he did anything wrong. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. a weird, it's a, being online is very strange. Um, yes. Well, that's the first bit and piece. See what I mean? This episode's <laughs> going to be long because we have a lot to talk about. The next bit, equally exciting. Um, well, I guess, I don't know if it's exciting to say the exorcist <laughs> is not happening anymore. I think some people are probably happy about that, but we'll, okay, so yeah, put a pin in the exorcist sequel. We'll see what happens. I don't know what the time constraint is either on Universal's, like, we're making a trilogy. Like, how many years were they given? Three? Like, is it truly right. one a year as, as planned? So, like, maybe they're on, the, you know, they have to make this fast. I have no idea. So, that is a storyline to watch. We will be watching. Uh, the other big news of the week. Danny Boyle, Alex Garland teaming back up for a sequel to their zombie hit 28 Days Later. We're getting 28 years later, Jesse, after much talk about it, I feel like. I feel like Danny Boyle's been in the press. You know, you do a junket with him, someone yeah. will ask him about it. And I feel like he always has said, I would like to do another one. There is a sequel called 28 Weeks Later, directed by somebody else, that is yes. very good. I remember it being very good. I remember it having a very strong opening for, in particular. Um, now, what's interesting about 28 Years Later... It's a new zombie thriller that's expected to hit studio streamers and other potential buyers later this week. Uh, WME, which reps Danny Boyle and Alex Garland, will take out the package and handle the sale. We're getting really, uh, we're putting on our news or, or <laughs> Hollywood newsy caps over Until here. Until it gets ankled or whatever. <laughs> we're to start using, yeah. the, using the slang. <laughs> well, you, got, you got to read the ankler for all the ankled, yeah. all the stories, that, all the movies that get ankled. Um, <laughs> the package isn't just a simple modern sequel installment, Jesse. The movie already had the follow-up in 2007. The duo were only involved as executive producers. Now, the hope is to launch a new trilogy. Danny Boyle is attached to direct only the first installment. Alex Garland would direct, uh, would write all three. And the budget for each movie would be about $75 million. Uh, so the pair would also produce, as with all these boring executive names you don't care about, the pair have talked about publicly about sequels over the decades 28 months later was once one title bounced around with 28 years later coming into focus as an idea in recent years 28 days later of course starts killian murphy uh future oscar winner of oppenheimer as a man who wakes up from a coma after a bicycle accident to find england now a desolate post-apocalyptic collapse thanks to a virus that turned its victims into raging killers uh great movie looks awful and i keep i keep upgrading the copy that i have uh, I bought a DVD, a Blu-ray. If there's a 4K, I'll watch it. It'll look like a potato. It's it's great. Uh, the movie was a big hit, of course, blah, blah, blah. How do you feel about this? I mean, I, I'm excited. I really like 
28 Days Later a lot. It's I think I love Boyle, and I think 28 Days Later is really cool. Even the kind of aesthetic ugliness of it is yeah. really interesting. I it's, it's like such really a relic of its time. Yeah. Yeah, and they, it's you know it's one of those movies that like Michael Mann and Steven Soderbergh like use the digital aspect of it really well. And that um, movie has a really interesting history in terms of like nine eleven happening right around the time of the movie shooting, and them like yeah, in yeah. real time adjusting to make it like a little more relevant in that way. It's really crazy. Yeah. Um. So, like that's really interesting to me, and I, I remember the sequel think being pretty cool. Uh. But. No, I guess not really, but I, it, like it's another one of those things where it's like I just the same with David Gordon Green. Do I want Danny Boyle tied up? Who, David Boyle who hasn't made a movie in five years now, almost tied up and making three more of these. Like I would rather see Boyle do one and then a, a different directors do the second, and third. Um, but I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, do I really need a trilogy of these? I don't know. But I, 28 years later, as a, an idea by itself, I think is really cool, and I'll be very excited to see it. I love I love Boyle, and I love his genre hopping. Um, I'm a big fan of Sunshine, which is another Garland Boyle joint that did uh, much less business than 28 Days Later. Uh, it's interesting because 28 Days Later was also such a comeback for Danny Boyle at the time. He was coming off the beach, was like a fairly big budget movie for him with Leo DiCaprio, which is a really interesting movie. Actually. And a great and like, book written by Alex Garland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like he uh, Garland didn't write the script to that, but he wrote the novel that uh, the normal uh, uh, John Hodge, who adapted some of Boyle's other stuff, uh, adapted. And it's an interesting movie, but it didn't do as great as it was supposed to. Uh, and so, and he did a, then Boyle did a couple of kind of digital TV movie experiments in Britain. I've only seen one of them. The other one is hard to find, but one of them is called Vacuuming Completely Nude in Paradise. It is a star vehicle for uh, who's the guy who plays Wormtail in Harry Potter. Uh, no and, idea. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he's a British character actor. Uh, he's like not who you. Oh, assume is uh, uh, the guy from all the Mike Lay movies, uh, Timothy yeah. Spall. Timothy Spall, fuck yeah! I didn't. Uh, have to, like I, just, I just did it on sight alone. Yeah, Timothy Spall. That's him. Yeah. I was gonna. I said it was like he has a son, Rafe. Rafe Spall. Uh, who's much less uh, off-putting, intentionally off-putting. I think <laughs> yes. he's, I love I love Timothy Spall. Um, so then he he sort of took some of that digital stuff he was using with these TV projects and brought it to Twenty Eight Days Later, and that was his big comeback, and it's still one of his biggest hits. Um, so it's just interesting because he hasn't made a movie in a while. He did Yesterday, that kind of bizarre Beatles project, um, but hasn't really done anything since then as a fe feature director. So I wonder if this will be kind of a new reset for him or if he has other stuff that's going to be mixed in the middle with this. Um, that's all to say. I'm, I'm excited. I really like Danny Boyle. I like zombies. I really like, I know, I think like, are you like a purist about zombies? I feel like some people don't like 28 days later cause it's not technically yeah that's annoying undead and no, they're fast or whatever I think it's cool it right? is cool. It's, yeah it's just different ways into it one like, of the I, first r-rated movies i remember seeing in theaters and oh nice it was really like scary to me like yeah the, it's, the, it is really scary. the blood dripping into the eye like very specific yeah. memories of that and the dogs barking loud it's a yeah, <laughs> scary yeah. movie uh and there's yeah. good good soundtrack great soundtrack. <laughs> it's always good good music cues in a daily boil movie so i'm excited about him going back sure yeah, I'm interested in that. And, you know, he can – I don't think any of us were excited for Train Spotting too. like, just, like, in terms of, like, why would he make that? And that movie was delightful and so, yeah. like, a perfect looking back type of movie that's a – it was just, like – perfect that's what that's what every sequel should be like yeah oh yeah i love i love train spotting too i think it's really under undervalued it is fact, i don't think i don't think anyone knows it exists 
Honestly, yeah. <laughs> it, it came out at a weird time. Was it like 2016 or something? Like when did that come 20, out? It was like it was like in in UK, the UK came out in like in January 2017, and then here it came out like the March or April 2017. So it was kind of an off season release, yeah, and didn't do that well. And like Train Spotting was really a kind of a phenom, and this one really wasn't. Um, but they kind of that that fits because the first one is youthful and energetic, and the second one is about being fucking middle aged and stuff. Which yeah. I, of course, I saw it as a middle aged person and was delighted by it. Yeah, I, it was nice to see the dead baby return to the cast as well. <laughs> he, Everyone's he back. Great. Everyone's back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, another big piece of news this week. It's not really news. It's non news, but it's interesting. Nev Campbell was on the red carpet for something, and of course was asked about Scream. And asked if she would return. And she said, It's sad to me that they're struggling at the moment. I would imagine that the people at the top are spinning a little bit, trying to make the right decision. I would imagine people want to do the right thing. I would hope. I love this franchise. I would hope it doesn't fall apart. Given the right circumstances, yes. When asked if she would return. Uh, I made a statement several years ago, and it was the reason I didn't do Scream 6 at the time. I just really felt the need to stand up and say that I don't believe I would have been treated that way had I been a man carrying the franchise for 25 years, and that still stands. So what she is saying, if you read between the lines, Jesse, I'm sure you will say the same thing. Pay me, and I will return. Yeah. Like, all <laughs> she is saying is, pay me a reasonable amount of money that I am worth to this franchise, which is, at this point, more than it was yesterday, or more than it yeah. was a month ago, before all this thing shit fell apart. Now they, like, need her in order to resurrect this in a way that's not embarrassing for them. Uh, crazy. Crazy that she even has to say that. But it's nice that she said it in the way she did, where it's, like, yeah, not quite so veiled being like, yeah. It's like John Carpenter being like, yeah, they can do whatever they want. Just give me a paycheck. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you open to Sydney returning? I know we all said we liked having her send off. In this scenario... Where Scream 7 is fucked because of <laughs> co uh, co executive fuckery uh, yeah. and the core four is broken up. And let's like, what would you like this? Would you like her to return? I mean, sure, I guess. I, I really have no idea now what I would want out of a Scream 7. They've really done a great job of me of making me go. I don't know now. I don't know what the yeah. <laughs> they did a good job of uh, bringing me back in with the new characters in five and six. And now they've done a great job kicking me right back out and going, I don't know what the fuck this is anymore. Like, <laughs> I would, would I watch it with Nev Campbell? Sure. Did I kind of, did it, did my mind go there when, um, when Jenna Ortega confirmed she wasn't coming back? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, then that's kind of the most obvious thing to do is say, well, if we can get, we can get Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell to come back and make another legacy one. Well, I guess that makes sense. What if they do I a new know. timeline and then like Dewey's not dead and he's bad? Because <laughs> I think people were mad that they killed him off, even though yeah, it I wonder. Provided I wonder stakes. if they'll. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do something like that. Some kind of other. They'll do. <laughs> they'll try to do a Halloween style. Only the first one counts, <laughs> and this is uh, uh, now thirty years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ghost face. Ghost face in space. Yeah, she's Sydney's actually had like 30 normal years since the first scream and Ghostface didn't keep coming back. I don't know. Like, it really just seems like they've really I, I feel like I don't often most of the time I'm kind of, you know, come see, come about uh, <laughs> about these kind of franchise things where you're like, well, you can they'll figure it out or they won't with scream. It just there's something that does really feel like they profoundly fucked it up in a way. And, and I say that as someone who likes like DC comics movies, you know, I never felt yeah. like, Oh, these are ruined. You know, even though when they, even when they made bad ones, I was like, 
whatever. It's like easy enough to just do another one and it doesn't matter. With Scream, it does really kind of feel like, boy, they really fucked it up. Like, I don't, <laughs> it's hard. It's going to be hard for it not to seem stupid or low rent or like. It's going to be so tongue in cheek about it, first of all. Yeah. You know that's it's true. Yeah. You know it's yeah, going to reference it. And even that, like, it'll be a minefield to not reference it in a way that's kind of, that's going to sound dismissive of the actor. You know, like, it's going to, if you're too snarky about it, it's going to be like, ooh, this is, this is off key. <laughs> you know, uh, and if you're self-deprecating, maybe it would work. I don't know. It's like, I'm sure they'll find a way to do it because they had just had two big hit movies in a row. Um, but it's wild to me that, like, they had two of their biggest movies ever and uh, they then, and, and still fucked it up. <laughs> such an unforced thing to do it's boy it's just so dumb all right the next bit is that zach Kreger's next horror movie weapons the one that's described as you know a multi and interrelated horror epic tonally in the vein of magnolia which is always just a lofty you know <laughs> it's it's an insane thing to say it's an insane thing to, <laughs> it's an insane thing to pitch and i love that like he that got pitched and they're like yes we're just gonna say <laughs> we're gonna say that and that's it uh, anyway, this is a Jeff Snyder exclusive, Jesse. The in Snyder <laughs> broke that Pedro Pascal has exited uh, Zach Kreger's weapons as the lead. Uh, he was forced to drop out due to his busy schedule. He's set to begin filming The Last of Us, and now he's got to do the fucking Mandalorian and Grogu movie, which I uh-huh. won't bore our listeners talking about uh, my, my feelings on the fact that the Star Wars uh, Disney has turned Star Wars from a multi-billion-dollar theatrical business into a bunch of television I won't watch, and now the television I won't watch is becoming a movie that <laughs> they'll have to watch. No, no, no. You know what? I think I'm going to take a goddamn stand. I guess I'll watch it. I'm sure I will. No, you'll watch. I'll it. watch it. But like, the issue is, it would like I can't believe there's a new Star Wars movie actually on the horizon. That sounds like it's going to happen, right? And I'm. They managed to find a way to make it so I don't care. It's. I would. <laughs> any other project would have been exciting to me that wasn't I, connected I, to TV. The rumor I heard only very lightly, and I have no idea if this is true. And this was like your a true your source not, at like, Lucas at Lucasfilm. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call the estate? Uh, there's a. Yeah, there's something. They, they call <laughs> it Skywalker something. Ranch. Skywalker the Ranch. Ranch. Yes. My my source at the ranch. Yeah. Was that. Because there was some question, like, people were going, well, is this going to be instead of Mandalorian Season 4 or in addition to or what? And I think people assumed it was going to be instead. And then I heard a possibility of, oh, it's going to be, uh, they'll do Mandalorian Season 4 and then this will wrap up the season. And I was, and I, you know, I like Star Wars and I enjoy the Mandalorian and stuff, but I was like, no, don't do that. That's so fucking cheap. That's so low rent, as my friend Eddie was saying when he was relaying this to me. Uh, just so dumb. To, if that was, I hope they don't do that. That would real, that would really feel cheap to me to say like, okay, this is the season finale, but we're showing it in movie theaters. Like, if you're going to do a Mandalorian movie, and I prefer they kept that on TV. Uh, it should be something better than just like here's the last three episodes of the season. <laughs> so yeah, it feels like a fathom oh event more than a movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they have done they like they showed a couple of Ahsoka episodes, uh, like in IMAX or something, and uh, during the season. And you know, people get excited about that and go to those things. But like, that's not you can't sell a whole real movie like that. That seems really crazy. Um, but who knows if that'll be the case? I have no idea. But yeah, I, even as a Star Wars fan, I'm kind of like, can we just? the other one that they were talking about sounded better than the Ray movie. That's like set after. Is that happening too? I don't even know what the, what what the latest is on anything. That's supposed to shoot. um, That's supposed to shoot this year. 
Uh, it's a woman whose name I don't remember, uh, but incels are already mad at her. Um, for Great. Saying that it's yeah, <laughs> so they'll be they'll probably uh, get nervous about it. Uh, no, it's like she because she, she said something really fucked up. Like it's good that a woman is directing a Star Wars, <laughs> and of course that uh, made a bunch of people really mad. Um, yeah, I don't, it's it's she worked on like a couple episodes of Ms. Marvel. Um, yeah, like this lot, is not what I want out of like this is like like I'm not trying to sound incelly when I say like I don't want someone who worked on a Disney TV show. Yeah, to she's be a the, documentarian. More yeah, than a, like more than I Disney would person. like to see a more hope high profile person direct giant Star Wars movie that you know I just they're just not doing yeah. it. I, I just can't believe what what's become of the shit. It's really crazy. Yeah, uh, that's supposedly like supposedly they're gonna have two out in a year, which I kind of don't. I don't think was hold. I think they'll probably I th- like the the one time they had one of these things bomb. It was when they had two out in it, two out in a year. Um, oh, her name is Charmaine uh, Obeid Shinoy, um, and she's yeah. They're supposed to direct one that's uh, set like a bit after uh, Rise of Skywalker, and it's about Rey and like what happens with the Jedi Order after that. That at least sounds like something that goes forward. You know, like the Mandalorian stuff is all like set in between movies. So I don't, you know, that's a whole bunch of who cares. Yeah. Like show us what happened. Like if you want to see a people who do want to see a sequel to the stuff, don't they want to see like a sequel like that goes forward in time? (laughs) You know, not like circling back, just circling back to before, right after Return of the Jedi again. You know, can't believe, can't believe the shit. I can't believe it. I hate it. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. We're talking anyway. That yeah, yeah. That, that might but might be something that Pedro Pactel might be busy with. Although he doesn't do that much for a minute. Yeah. Mostly does he voice. need to do anything? Can he just do the voice after? Like, does this fucking thing come off ever? Uh, y- y- there's a scene. There's like one scene. I think. In the does he shoot it though? He... Is it the, the, is the thinking that <laughs> is he, he shoots? Does, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't fucking be there if it was a voice. I thing. mean, he's. I think he. I think he was probably there for a day to shoot the scene where his helmet came off and he interacts with someone and makes right. You know, use, uses but you face. agree but no, that he's not there most of the time. Oh no, most of the time I think he just does the voice. Yeah, that is so fucking funny. Anyway, uh, Renate Rinesvi, the woman who started in worst person in the world, is the only person oh, now. She's great attached to weapons so we'll see who replaces pedro pascal um maybe tom cruise because of the magnolia connection he'll be like <laughs> i have to do the i have to do the horror yes. magnolia they should just get the entire cast of magnolia because like yeah why great. not uh another big piece of news we got this week uh a, a production listing article basically revealed that maggie gyllenhaal is directing a bride of frankenstein movie tentatively called the bride uh it's confirmed at warner brothers it's not it's not only now official we know the cast stars uh, annette benning just joined and the already announced cast that i seem to have forgotten because i didn't remember any of this jesse buckley penelope cruz christian bale and peter sarsgaard uh did you know about this how'd, you, how'd she get how'd she get sarsgaard uh <laughs> <laughs> she must have put in some calls. You guys should um, Google that one if you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's really cool. I, I hadn't heard it. I think I had heard something vague about this somewhat a while ago and forgotten about it. But I did not know, certainly until this week, that it had such a crazy... That's a crazy high-profile cast. Christian Bale is like a, still a huge movie star. Yeah. Um. So that's... Yeah, that seems like a really big deal that that all these people are making a Bride of Frankenstein movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal. And that's a cool... You know, usually I roll my eyes a little when... A director has a cool indie movie, 
and then they follow it up with some kind of IP bullshit. Um, and Maggie Gyllenhaal had an interesting oh, movie. Oh, I love the Lost, the Lost Daughter. Lost Daughter, yeah, it was great. a good striking debut, really good Olivia Coleman performance. Um, so normally, you know, oh, she's gonna follow it up with like a IP thing is you know cause maybe for alarm or annoyance, but. Uh, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, this sounds this sounds really cool. <laughs> I, maybe I just give a pass to monster movies or whatever, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if it's in the public domain, but it's probably not particularly a remake of anything. It's just like her version of the Frankenstein story. It sounds cool. There's like a ton of Frankenstein stuff coming. We're getting tons of Draculas, tons of Frankensteins. Yes. Uh, and that's, I'm all for it. Uh, the production's set to begin in March. Uh, and if you remember, various plans for this type of movie have fallen apart. There was the failed Dark Universe version. Which had someone attached. Was it Angelina Jolie? Yeah, Angelina Jolie was going to do it at some point. That's so funny. Uh, crazy. Dark Universe. What a, what a time. Um, it, nev- it never... See, the Dark Universe lives forever in all of us. Mm, that's so true. <laughs> um, R.L. Stein announced on Twitter that there is a new Fear Street movie coming to Netflix based on the Fear Street book, The Prom Queen. I have... Uh, maybe I read it. I don't remember that reading it. Uh I know a lot of people were pulling for the cheerleader franchise, which I know was like a hard, more hardcore Fear Street. So it's not that. It's the prom queen. Uh, congratulations to fans of the trilogy. When I refer to the trilogy, I'm, of course, referring to the Fear Street Netflix trilogy. <laughs> yes. Let, can you name knows. the years? Uh, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I definitely I, I, can't. I, I, one of them is 1978. One of them is 1994. And one of them's 1,602? I don't know what the last one is. 1,666, of course. Oh, so of course. Oh, you fool. That was the easy one. <laughs> that's, <laughs> they handed you that one. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I, I remember, of course, I always remember 1978 because of the, that was that was as accurate. I'm assuming it's because, movie. oh, I was going to say, because the anachronistic soundtrack drove you crazy or something. No, it was because it, uh, we all remember 1978 as uh, this bit of historical trivia that the movie depicts. That's when the term shagadelic was coined. <laughs> you might you might think that it was made up for the movie Austin Powers. No, but no, it's a, it's a real thing people were saying in 1978. Just kidding. That movie is so fucking stupid. I hate it so much. <laughs> so you're not excited oh. about The Prom Queen? I mean, I'll probably watch it because I'm an idiot, but, I, <laughs> but I'm not excited based on the previous three, which are all terrible. Another bit of news this week that shocked me. So I know we were talking about in the past, like Radio Silence is directing a movie that is tentatively titled Dracula's Daughter. It's about like someone, they're doing a kidnapping, they kidnap some girl, it turns out she's a monster. It already is done. Did you know this? It, yeah, I didn't. I thought it, they were going to bump it from the release schedule any minute now. But they... I fully thought it was like not even in pre-production yet. Turns out they shot the fucking thing. It's oh, it's done and it's out in April. So uh, Radio Silence, you know, I feel like everyone was like, they're taking their time. They're not doing Scream because they're developing this long, this big project. And it turns out that thing was already, I don't know how hastily they shot that thing. But it's coming out in April. There was already a trailer. It's called Abigail now. And I feel like me revealing the, the working title has ruined the surprise. Is that I haven't watched the trailer, so I don't know if it's like a surprise. No, the, tr- okay. the trailer, uh, they don't, I don't know if they actually cop that it's Dracula, but like they 100% say vampire okay. in the trailer. Like it's not, it's no, the trailer probably gives away more than it should because of course most people will not. I mean, most people do, of course, listen to the New Flesh podcast. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, the non, the less hardcore horror people 
uh, would not be aware that if you could pitch this as a kidnapping goes wrong and, and somehow. Uh, but the trailer is very upfront uh, about, you know, halfway through the trailer. They're like, clearly this chick is, this little girl's a vampire. Um, it looks cool, though. It looks, I mean, maybe I have an easy mark, but it looks fun to me. Uh, it looks a lot like Ready or Not, like in terms of being sort of like intense and bloody, but also done in a kind of black comic register more than a, you know, pure horror register. Um, it, but it looks cool. I was, I was, I was like very excited when I saw that it actually exists and has a title. I am and blown kind of away. Finished. I'm blown away <laughs> yeah. that it exists. It's written by. It also, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that was who's wait. Yeah, who did write it? Stephen Shields, who wrote the Hole in the Ground, and and, and Guy Busick, who wrote oh, cool. Scream Five and Six, and presumably Seven, and who wrote Ready or Not also. And I think we knew this already, but the trailer confirms this has nothing to do with the film Dracula's Daughter, um, which is kind of an interesting movie and worth watching. It's an, also an, it's a uh, it's a lean seventy one minutes. If anyone's interested, like the old like nineteen thirty something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of many kind of offshoots of Dracula that Universal made uh, back in the day, and it's pretty cool. Um, and this done, I would have actually. It's one of the I would love to see people try to remake some of these like lesser known monster movies just because they're you know often like these 65 minute things that could be tinkered with or, or toyed with and made sort of interesting versions of uh, so i briefly was kind of like oh it would be really cool if they actually remade dracula's daughter um uh, this clearly is not that but i let i kind of do kind of love the idea that they just took, like were inspired by the title dracula's daughter and were like what if he had a different daughter and she was kidnapped um, by a bunch of hooligans. yeah 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 it looks it looks really fun i'm i'm ex- very very excited about it now all right. Well, uh, Melissa Barrera's in it. I actually yes. I don't know if we knew that either beforehand. But the cast is Melissa Barrera, Dan Stevens, Catherine Newton, uh, Angus Cloud. Rest in peace. So this this shot a long time a long time ago. Angus Cloud is in it, and he's been dead for a long time. He's oh, in. Geez. Sorry, he's in Euphoria, <laughs> no, and he was in a really bad indie movie that just came out that I reviewed on Roger and Me about like a lottery ticket or something. It was really oh, bad. okay. Um, but yeah, Abigail trailer came out. I can't believe it. I haven't watched it, but it's out April 19th, and I'm excited that it's already here. Um, this isn't quite horror news, so we won't dwell on it too heavily. But Tom Cruise made like a big public, well, it's not just like a public announcement. It, he, he is, Tom Cruise made a deal with Warner Brothers to make movies over there. And it's not exclusive because he has, you know, Mission Impossible at Paramount. And as of this week, he has Top Gun 3 at Paramount, which reeks of Paramount rushing to put out a press release to show yes. that they're in good good standing with him. So yes. I don't know if that movie will ever happen or if it's just a thing to lure in front of people. But the news that he's at Warner Brothers is interesting for a few reasons. For our reasons at the podcast, I will say that the, the executives who lured him back are hoping that he does a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, which is interesting because that movie only made uh, 370 off of a 200 budget or something. So I know it has a cult fan base now. And I know that, you know, McQuarrie said he had an idea for a prequel and stuff like that. And Doug Lyman said it would be better than the original. There's always reasons why they should do it. But from a, it sounds like the, like from, for an, for executives to be wanting it is backwards to me. Cause I'm like, it didn't make that much money. Uh, right. Right. But I want it. So I'm into that. Uh, so Cruz's new deal with Warner's won't produce anything starring Cruz anytime soon, given that he's working on Mission Impossible until May 2025. Uh, what do you have to say about all of this shit? 
I mean, you know, it's 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 cool to see Cru- someone. I saw someone random online speculating that this would be like Cruz going back to like doing kind of more serious movies because uh, he's getting older and Warner Brothers like supposedly wants a kind of uh, sheen of respectability, although that doesn't always seem the key- the case in recent years. Um, and it did get me thinking, like, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if this won't be like Cruz setting up three new action franchises at Warner, you know, uh, and, you know, Ed- Edge of Tomorrow obviously is like a genre play and I love that first movie. Uh, so I would actually be kind of nervous about the <laughs> prospect of another one just because I love the first one so much. Um, but I wonder if it would involve, like, maybe this would involve Cruz, like, doing some dramas or comedies or something. You know, like, stuff that he can do and just hasn't been doing that much of in uh, recent years. I think because a lot of directors, a lot of good directors are not that interested in working with him, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Uh, because it be- you get, it becomes, like, a co-production with yeah, Tom Cruise. he's the director. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, in a way that I don't think, in, I think in the 90s he was giving himself over to directors a little more, even when he was being very collaborative, you know, there's, there's, he's not gonna, he's not taking over the set from Kubrick, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. whereas now I think, you know, he has a little more of that control issue. Um, uh, but you know, I, I love Cruz's movies. I hope he does some movies. I love his, I love his action movies and stuff too. I, I just would love to see him take some more, like, those 90s, early 2000s. That run was just incredible, like, when he was doing... Uh, you you want to see Born on the 5th of July. You want to see Two Jerry, (laughs) Two Maguire. (laughs) Or, you know, stuff in the vein of, like, this is an odder one, but, like, Vanilla Sky or or Magnolia. Chocolate Chocolate Sky would be good. Yeah, Chocolate Sky. Yeah, Magnolia Harder, uh, whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All the, you know, just those those things where he's, like, kind of toying with his image in a fun way. I feel like there's plenty more of that that he could do. Wasn't there, am I insane, or wasn't there talk of a Tropic Thunder spinoff with his character? Yes, there has been for (laughs) years. I feel like if you you ask Tom Cruise about that now, he'll still say, in the style, of if you ask Tom Arnold about True Lies 2, yeah. he'll be like, yes, I that will happen. <laughs> even though even though it seems like the world has perhaps moved on from the 15-year-old's like, like cameo joke bit that yeah. would not sustain it, even an SNL bit, let alone a full it movie. It barely, like, I love Cruise, but it barely sustains in the movie itself. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was really confused when that came out and people were like, Cruise steals it. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of think Stiller, Black, and Downey are way funnier in this movie than Cruise is. <laughs> and I love, again, I love Cruise. It's just like, it was one of those things where it was just the novelty of him doing it. People seem to really love yeah he's still I, i'm pretty i i honestly think he said as recently as in sometime in the past year that he was like i would love to do that <laughs> the, <laughs> so, the man is crazy we know this yeah yes um, we yeah we love him and he's he's a lunatic <laughs> I, I also like i need to see rock of ages because i can't imagine what that movie is like i can't imagine him in that and i haven't seen it's, it it's very it's like arguably the worst movie he's ever done i mean that, that might not be true but uh the mummy's pretty bad but i don't people <laughs> like it you, you i feel you, like you find i kind of like yeah, the mummy. I, I mean at least i feel like the mummy works on its intended level probably better than rock of ages does but cruise is quite good in rock of ages he definitely is doing is he something singing? it's a yeah he does sing yeah um it's you know he can do whatever can he, he sing puts has he sung before to. Uh, yeah, in Top Gun, right? Doesn't he sing like that kind of stuff? Doesn't he sing Great Balls of Fire? Or is that the. Yeah, no, but that, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, really. you know, you know no, like, not like I mean, a full blown musical. It is the kind of thing where, you know, it's not sung live on set, obviously. It's not Les Miserables. Uh, so. Oh, oh, it's not that, terrible think, and sounds bad? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think at the time it that was right around the same time. Maybe it was the Rock of Ages a little before, but I feel like people were like, "Oh, it's he's clearly auto-tuned." And I think sometimes people say auto-tuned when they actually mean like touched up, a ma- yeah. made in a studio. Oh, you know, like sure. I don't think there's any literal auto-tune on it. But like, yeah, you can sweep things in the studio or like make it sound better or like do a million takes and and paste together the best ones. Uh so I think that might have been in effect with his with his uh singing in the movie, but like I don't know. To my ears, it sounded pretty good. It's like accents. Everyone thinks they're an expert in singing and accents. And I'm like, I don't know. It sounds fine. Um, it's worth, I mean, like whatever, if it's streaming free somewhere, you should totally watch it. Like it's, def- it's definitely watchable. It's, you know, it's full of Adam Shankman, terrible musical directing, which is like the most bizarre thing to me because this dude's like a choreographer and like has like ex- all this experience with like dance and song and dance and stuff. And then he directs these musicals that are just like awful on a filmmaking level it's so bizarre. I was watching a clip of Hairspray the other day because I was writing a little bit about mo- movies that became musicals that became movie musicals. I wonder Hairspray why you were doing this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Interesting. Uh, I was watching a bit of Hairspray because I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, and it's like a cute movie, except for the fact that it's terribly directed, and it's really amazing watching it. Going, wow! Like the Mean Girls movie is so much better directed than than this one and it's fucking adam shankman just like cutting to shit that makes no sense to cut to uh i remember rock of ages has a bunch of like why am i looking at this image at this point in the song um but i anyway i don't know why i'm talking about rock of ages so much but you should i want you to watch it and then we could talk about it more yeah we should so that sounds like a horror podcast yeah it's it's terrifying yeah um david bruckner who did the night house which we love and the hellraiser remake which was disappointing but okay for me i don't know i didn't love it um he's remaking another movie it's the third movie he's remaking uh what else has he remade i'll have to look that up i don't remember but uh the blob he is remaking the blob for warner brothers the original movie came out in 1958 and starred steve mcqueen there was the 1972 beware the blob and there was a Chuck Russell, the blob in 88, which is the one I've seen that has Kevin yes, Dillon. Same. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Um, um, yeah. I just watched that a couple of years ago. That movie fucking rules. Yeah. Um, I had like, I always it thought does. it looked cheesy when I was a kid. It came out when I was a kid and I was like, this looks dumb. When you da- like you got to trust in Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell. <laughs> yeah. The man behind <laughs> the Chuck mask. Russell, we just, well, and Shawnee Smith is in it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do, I do. I've been meaning to watch the Steve McQueen one for so long just because I love the remake so much that I was like, well, maybe the first one is good, too. <laughs> you know how maybe this will fly right over your head because we're not teenage girls. But do you know how teenage girls would have like little clicks and they would call themselves something? I don't know if that means. Anything sure, here. sure. My yeah, sister yeah, no, had a group of yeah. friends and they called themselves the blob for many oh, years. Wow. And I don't know wow. why. It's probably it. it was probably initials or something. But uh, if I were to was remake be- the Blob, it would be about a bunch of girls <laughs> hanging out, <laughs> oh, and having it, a like, nice time. They, they were called that because when when boys touched them, they would get dissolved into like a pink <laughs> do a puddle. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was real Alex Mackian of them. Oh, I yeah. love. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know what man. the Blob meant, but there's definitely like a photo. Uh, what do you call it? Um, like uh, collage of of the blob. Oh, in, I love my, it! I love that so much. House. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance to your sister for when I steal that and, <laughs> and put it in a novel or something. Oh yeah, no, it's good. You got to use it. 
Um, but if you don't know what the blob is, it's the story of an amorphous alien life form that descends upon a rural town and begins consuming anyone it comes into contact with. The alien and expanding mass of red gelatinous matter grows as it eats and is strong enough to pull human victims from itself in all directions. So, you know, real he could do anything with that. This could be crazy. <laughs> uh, I like Bruckner. I'm hopeful. That's where I'm at with that. Um, yeah. The first image came out from David Cronenberg's next movie, The Shrouds, and it basically looks like two people walking through what looks to be a cemetery, but on the tombstones are like viewing portals and you can maybe like look in there or there's like a tell I don't know what it is. I have no idea what I'm looking at here, but the movie <laughs> stars Vincent Castle. Is it Castle or Cassell? I never know. I always say Castle, but I don't Vincent know. Vincent Castle, Diane Kruger, Guy Pierce. And um, apparently it's Cronenberg's most personal movie ever. It's about the passing of his wife. Uh, Let's see what it's actually about. James uh, Vincent Castle will play Karsh, an innovative businessman and grieving widower who builds a novel device to connect with the dead inside a burial shroud. This burial tool insta- installed at his own state-of-the-art, uh, though controversial cemetery, allows him and the clients to watch their specific departed loved one decompose in real time. Karsh's Oof. revolutionary business is on the verge of breaking into the international mainstream when several graves within his cemetery are vandalized and nearly destroyed, including that of his wife. While he struggles to uncover a clear motive for the attack, the mystery of who wrought this havoc and why drive him to reevaluate his business, marriage, and fidelity to his late wife's memory, as well as push him in new beginnings. Sounds so fucking cool. Oh my god. I can't believe we're living in, like, late Cronenberg era, and he made a new <laughs> movie that was a masterpiece to me, and one of his best ever, that feels like a culmination of his body of work and now we have another one and it sounds awesome and i hope he keeps on this pace and i hope his uh publicist replies to my email about interviewing him for fangoria that i should have done two years ago and Ooh, uh, wow really failed so cool. they just eh, it's tough tough to get a response yeah. on those um yeah. prey the movie that is uh the the hulu straight to hulu predator movie that you and I saw theatrically, or did you not make it that night? I didn't make it. I only I saw it. You fool! Day. You'll never see yeah, it in I, theater. I know. I was I was cursed. I was out of town, and I was very sad. I had to it. choose between like two stupid things. I feel like, and I chose that, and I felt good about it, even though I didn't love the movie. But it won a Creative Arts Emmy, which means the Predator is now officially an Emmy-winning franchise <laughs> property. Uh, and I think the Predator's got to go for the EGOT now. Yes. So how do you think that happens? We got to get. Uh, a prestige director to make a movie that's yes. just called. Um, we've, we've already had all the variations like Predator, The Predator. I don't know what it would be called. Here's here's hey look here's what you got to do. Okay. You don't want to make a feature in this case okay. for the Oscar. Okay. I, I just think it's there's too much uh, baggage with that. You want him to do I a would, soundtrack for something else. He's gonna well he's gonna well that that's true. This Predator could do a song, but someone should make a short film, a live action short film. That is a low competition category. I used to sometimes see the live action short films. I quit watching them because most years, three out of five of them would be awful and one would be okay and so, one would be good. And you're saying every year you're like, if one of these had the Predator in it, it would be a shoe right. <laughs> If Every year, if one of them, yeah, if, 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 imagine if they all had the Predator in it, then you couldn't lose. But I think to be the best live action short film, you really just have to be make one good live action short film. <laughs> and I feel like they could they could handle that and they could so, they Predator could win there. I think they should take whatever budget they were gonna do, say fifty, to make a Predator movie and just make one short Predator movie every year until they win one. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just try it with different wars. Try put him in World War Two or World War One. <laughs> Vietnam, they like war stuff in the Oscars, and, and you know you'll 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 hit on it eventually. So that's taken care of. 
the I think that the, the and an album. There's so many Grammys. I think if you, as long as the Predator, like so, you know, what cat spoken know. word poetry? What is it? What does he, he have to do? Just let him. Yeah, you could do the spoken. He, all he has to do is read an audio book. Oh, dude, like, wait. <laughs> he needs to. He should just do a stand up tour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's like some bullshit about cancel culture, they'll give it to him immediately. Or if he could just be on, you know, be on enough of a Louis C.K. album to get the co credit. I mean, if he wants the to be Grammys, about love it, awarding predators. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's a natural fit for him and Louis C.K. to be on the same uh, record. So I think the tr- the tricky one is going to be the Tony. <laughs> so he might want. I don't know if there. It depends if we want to talk about if we're talking about the franchise, if we're talking about the Predator himself. Well, well, we know the trend. I okay. I have a new plan. So okay, you do Predator the musical, and then of course uh-huh. you do Predator the movie the musical, but you just call it yes. Predator Mean Girls style right. with maybe yes. a musical note in the A, which I think uh-huh. is the only thing uh-huh. that yes you need to signify it's a musical, and then you can win a Tony and an Oscar for the same property. That's true. Oh, that would be helpful. Otherwise, I would say the, the Predator himself could just produce a hit play that <laughs> some would involve someone else. He could then win. The I'm de- thinking you know, about then- uh, Hamilton style. I don't know why he sounds like that. <laughs> I don't know how Liam to. Neeson. He's Liam Neeson for some reason. I don't know how to sound like the Predator. <laughs> That's because like- he just makes this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh- yeah, he just needs uh, to get in on some kind of Broadway production. Well, obviously, the, the first line of the Broadway production is, like, the clicks turning into English. by Them yeah. saying, like, well, we speak like this, but for the audience, we're going to do it in yeah. English. And then exactly. He sounds exactly. like Liam Neeson for some reason. The rest yeah. Of the time. <laughs> um, this is all – this is all more – even more – I've been reading – I started reading the comic book series. Uh, it's like a miniseries, Wolverine versus Predator. Okay. Well, that um, sounds like an <laughs> award-winning property to yeah. me. You could do something with that. <laughs> it does take place over a long Didn't, period you know of what? time. Logan won an Oscar, right? Yeah. It, uh, it was nominated, at least for screenplay. I don't think it won. But That's it your was, way in. Logan yeah, versus that's Predator. True. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just be a kind of a more mournful look at the Predator and also it's, Wolverine. It's you think it's them fighting, but it's them like teaming up against like uh uh, uh like uh, socialized healthcare or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah, it's like a Dallas Buyers Club but with the Predator. Yeah. I, we have a lot of ideas, so yeah, if this we the, can get the EGOT <laughs> and, oh, twice over, I think. If for the, the good people at Disney would hand over the reins of <laughs> Predator to us, we clearly know what to do with it. And we guess we would waste fifty million dollars making several <laughs> short films. Of the <laughs> I think getting hey, an Oscar. No, let's not show ourselves short. We we would waste two hundred million dollars uh, making several <laughs> short films in a play nobody would see. Um, the plan is is flawless. I cannot yes. believe that. I mean that. It winning an Emmy is just proof that it's a fucking TV movie, though. To me, like that sucks. I don't like that it won an I... Emmy. <laughs> I don't like it. I I really like the movie and want to get the 4K of it, and I don't like that it won an Emmy. Like that, that it doesn't sit right. Like I'm for not me buying either. a 4K of television. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. Um. Anyway, Under Paris, a new shark attack movie from Xavier Jens, who just directed Mayhem, which I liked and Jesse didn't last week. Uh, uh, a movie you can hear about on Roger Ebert and Me or from Jesse at Paste or something, was it? Yes, correct, Paste. Uh-huh. Uh, I read that shit. You didn't like <laughs> it. Um, Under Paris is said to be an ambitious elevated genre film, quote, uh, and it's coming to Netflix this summer. Set in summer 2024, the film unfolds in Paris, which is hosting the World Triathlon Competition on the sign for the first time. 
Blah, 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 blah. There's a shark in, in the sign <laughs> river. Um, <laughs> uh, sounds cool. I'm very Yeah, that interested. does actually sound good. I'm very I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't care for this, his recent movie, but like that that sounds surefire to me. That sounds like yeah. um, like my beloved uh what's the one called? Crawl. It's like crawl, but yeah. French. Sounds good. The poster is literally a shark fin in the water and you see the reflection of the Eiffel Tower in the water. Like Perfect. Come on. Yes. Yeah. They know what they're doing. I think they sold the movie on the poster. I think they brought that into yeah. a room and said, Huh? And they said, <laughs> Here's fifty million dollars. Good luck. <laughs> um All right. The only other news I have for this week is Smile 2. There's movement on Smile 2. It's happening. Parker Finn is returning to direct. Kyle Gallner, who was in it, is back. Uh, wow. Yeah. And we now know Rosemary DeWitt has joined the cast. I love Rosemary DeWitt. Sure, yeah. Uh, and we've got Lucas Gage of The White Lotus. And more famously, do you know why he's famous? Do you remember this? No, uh, not at all. He went famous. because He's famous, I would say. He went. He's on The White Lotus, and he's on all these other shows. Maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind, it's because he went viral on Twitter because he had, you know how people do self-tape auditions? Oh, he's that guy. He's that guy. He's the guy okay. who had the self-tape where the director was shit-talking him to his face without realizing it. And then he yes. had to be like, hello, I can still hear you. ha!" Ah. And he went viral for that. He was so charming. And that guy has now been huge. He's been in so many things. Uh, Euphoria, The White Lotus, You, Love Victor on Disney, if that's a real show a bunch of movies so uh he was apparently also on fargo this season so okay. good for luke gage he's in smile too also um that movie caveat that i remember really liking on shutter in 2021 irish horror movie that guy has a new horror movie called oddity that debuts at south by southwest alongside a bunch of other cool horror stuff that i'm sure we've talked about uh in this new supernatural spectacle a blind medium uncovers the truth behind her sister's death with the help of a frightening wooden mannequin. <laughs> Interested. Sold. Yes. I mean, yeah. caveat made. Wasn't that like just about like a weird bunny object or something? Like, I don't even remember what that movie was about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it had a weird poster. Cool movie. I liked it a lot. Don't remember it at all. We'll watch it again before oddity. Uh, and the only other bit I have is that Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes moved for some reason. Two weeks up from May yes. 24th to 10. Do you know why? I would guess it's because there were like three or four movies coming out over the Memorial Day weekend, and they probably decided that it would be better to be on one of those weekends where nothing is coming out. Um, oh, I was but Jesse, excited. I thought Apes Together Strong. Yeah, yes, they're Apes Together <laughs> Strong, but the Apes and Furiosa together are very weak. Ooh, <laughs> yes. I Zing, forgot that part of the uh, phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was excited for the idea that the two movies I'm most excited about for the whole summer are coming out on the same day, because that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. But I admit that it is probably better for everyone involved if that doesn't happen. And also, like, we'll see them at screenings and probably won't see them on the same day anyway. Yeah. Uh, or even if I did see them commercially, I don't think I'd probably have time to do a double feature necessarily. So it's probably for the best. But I was kind of briefly excited that, that was happening. Um, I love the Apes movies. I'm gonna re my my wife got me all of them for Christmas. I'm gonna be rewatching them all. That 4K set. Yes, the 4K set. False advertising a little bit because the only ones in 4K are in fact three recent ones. Uh, yes. The other five movies and the Tim Burton one are in regular old high definition, 
Um, but that's fine. I will watch them all again anyway. I love Apes movies. The Burton one's not so good, but generally I love the Apes. I love them all too. I have the old Blu-ray set that's out of print for the old ones, and I have the 4K of the new ones, and I also bought on iTunes recently in a $4.99 sale the Tim Burton one because oh, no. yeah i mean it's, i remember it's a good look it's, I, yeah. it's interesting i remember liking it because i was 11 or something like i didn't i wasn't <laughs> discerning and i haven't sure, seen it yeah. since then and you know wasn't it paul giamatti who just said it was a lifelong career win for him yeah, to be in yeah. that movie he's so great in it <laughs> yeah. i was actually uh I'll, maybe i'll tell the story closer to when the mo- new one comes out i was ejected from that movie the first time i tried <laughs> what? to see it <laughs> Wait, I think you told this before. Were you just laughing? I about? probably have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, a friend of mine was being goofy and had an audio, rec- an old audio recorder on. Uh, mm. He'd been like recording us all day and like he had the wrong batteries in and he was just like making kind of like, you know, he had like a bunch of recordings of us that were all distorted because he was using an old recorder with batteries in it. But someone saw us bring it into the movie theater. Oh my I God. didn't even know he. I didn't even know he had it on and it was literally like a cassette tape. So it was not exactly... No, it, it, not front of my. If someone had said, "Hey, you can't have that in here," he would have been like, "Oh, sorry," and yeah. brought it back to his car. Uh, but the but FBI I guess he came and it, took uh, you out. Is that what happened? They, yeah, they security came. Uh, they instead of asking us and saying, "Hey, you can't bring that in here," the ticket taker just called security and had someone come in uh, half an hour into the movie and drag us all out and like called the police. Uh, Jesus, and, because they thought we were they so thought we were bootlegging. You had to like play the tape and show that it wasn't on there. Uh, he did play the tape and like there were like just I think it, it had been running so it had some like distorted ape noises on it so he was like getting interrogated with them being like are those ape noises on the tape are those ape noises on the tape oh my <laughs> like, god and they were like yeah we overheard them as we were being lined up outside the theater being like yeah I think they, they were gonna take the audio and match it to someone else doing the video and it's yeah like, it's, no, a, it's, it's a thorough operation it's, here yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a multi-tiered analog bootleg operation where there's a in Albany New York where they're gonna take the audio and match it to someone else's video all they needed to do was be like hey you can't have that in here and my friend would have been like oh shit honestly and, a and, good idea <laughs> I'm gonna start recording the audio you start yeah. recording the video I know, we're gonna have our I know, own little well, operation. It's so funny now. That happened in 2001 when it came out. And then I made my poor friend Rob drag dragged him back out to see it the next day. Because I was like, I want to see the fucking movie, man. <laughs> Everyone else was kind of deflated by the experience. Because uh, they were like, you know, they kicked us out and wouldn't give us a refund and everything. Um, but now it's so funny. Everyone in the fucking world has a recording device in every movie they see. Yes. <laughs> and we were getting in so much trouble for my friend having a cassette player played at the wrong speed. Uh, it's so it's so whack. Anyway. I recorded a. I won't. I uh, probably shouldn't say this, but like, uh, I won't even say it. I won't even. <laughs> say it. I'll tell you off air. Uh, yeah. That's the end of this week's main feed episode. <laughs> Jump on the Patreon to hear what I it's, illegally. It's recorded. all related to the Predator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs> Forgive me if I don't stay around to watch. I just can't cope with the freaky stuff.